KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener-supported community radio. I'm Rashawn Leak, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging into your community with KRCL tonight. And coming up, y'all, it's one of our fantabulous, if you will, packed shows. Laura, don't mess around, y'all. Laura, don't oh, mess around. It's just this last week of the legislature. There's a lot to talk about, Laura. There's so much. So we're wrapping up Black History Month here on Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive. So we got our host from PBS, PBS Utah's Roots Race and Culture Show, Lonzo Liggins and Danar Gerald. Plus, a preview of the next Black, Bold, and Brilliant event, a partnership with the Utah Film Center. But some rallies and resources, if you will, Laura. And we have some special guests. Yes, we do. Dr. Jaffe to wrap up Sugar-Free February. We've got Erica George from the Tanner Humanity Center. They've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of great speakers coming to town. And we're we're restarting our partnership. Hopefully, we're going to be able to record some of these and bring them on the show. That's what I'm talking about. And I want to catch up with Erica because I'm sure she's published three books since we saw her Uh, She don't mess around. Playtime is over. Mess around. So I think it's great that we're having her here on the last day of Black. Black History Month, but then also March is Women's History Month. That's right. Let's just wrap it all right in. All right. So here's something that I wanted to shout out. Just got a press release this afternoon. Planned Parenthood Association of Utah and the Planned Parenthood Action Council of Utah, the ACLU of Utah, Alliance for a Better Utah, YWCA, Utah Abortion Fund. Well, they are all rallying tomorrow, 12 p.m., the presentation room at the Utah State Capitol to talk about the impact of HB 467, these abortion Mm -hmm. changes that are coming. And here's a statement uh, that Carrie Galloway, the outgoing president and longtime CEO of PPAU and PPAC Utah. She says abortion access is a public health imperative. When abortion is illegal or inaccessible, women, people who can become pregnant and families suffer severe consequences. And if HB 467 becomes law, it will harm individual Utahns and our communities by putting abortion and other reproductive health care further out of reach and for some people, limiting access altogether. But she wants folks to know that Planned Parenthood is still here and that all of their health centers are open. Quote, we will keep providing care for sexual and reproductive health. So the press conference, again, noon tomorrow at the Utah Capitol, and um, we'll see if I can get up there to cover some of it. But, of course, I this mean, session has been it's, it's been wild. fast and furious and ridiculous. And I just mm. want to riff off what Carrie said real, real quick, because we know that while you might say that abortion is legal in the state, People are not going to stop getting abortions. And you're really just harming the people who are unable to leave the state is really what you're doing. You know, I saw all the different conversations in all the different states. It's like, well, we need doctors to really understand when it's truly an emergency. And I'm like, you don't think they know that? And and, and lawmakers, you feel like you're the one who should provide that information? Well, they're all card-carrying gyneticians. So, I mean... Um, okay, I got to watch my heart right here. But, um, you know, Deep I just, breaths. I'm mindful, uh, you know, for folks that have listened for a long time, they know that um, my father was an OBGYN, yep. trained pre Roe v. Wade in D.C., mm-hmm. used to the stories and witnessed firsthand women coming in bleeding out because then they could get the care. Yeah, botched abortions. Exactly. And they don't think that's going to happen again. 
No. It, well, and, and the the worst part is what's going to happen is it's going to be somebody in their family, and all of a sudden they have this like this the Duggars, em- right? This empathetic, eye opening awakening, and now yeah. it's and now we have to bring it back to the house. So it's. The hypocrisy just, mm-hmm. it, it no, we know no limits in this state, and I'm, I'm really excited to be a yeah. part of it, Laura. Well, the Duggars, you know, from reality TV, 19 Kids and Counting, one of their, their family <sighs> had a, a miscarriage and had to have a DNC, otherwise known as an abortion, mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't become septic and die. And, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, listen, tongue-tied. Because women need this care. Wherever they fall on the political spectrum, mm-hmm. they need this care. And politicians inserting themselves in the middle of the doctor-patient relationship, to me, is absolutely unacceptable. Yep. And reproductive rights is not a political agenda. Mm-hmm. Which... <sighs> I'm going to breathe deep, deep right? Deep, deep breath. Okay, can you give deep us breaths. a preview of what's happened tomorrow night with Black, Bold, and Brilliant? Oh, our yeah. partnership so we, with the Utah Film Center. So we have, we're going to be airing the movie Beba. And then we have uh, the young lady who wrote it, directed it, and produced it. We will be doing a Q&A with her. And that will be at the Utah Library, the downtown library City on library. 4th. Yep. Testman Auditorium. That's right. That's right. Because they're back in business, y'all. After the pipes broke, they fixed them, and we're going live. And uh, I, I want – the movie is serious. The, the movie, yeah. it, is, it, it is raw – it it is she is showing uh, her vulnerability it's just interesting mm. i i watched it i i watched it twice in, in the week just to one to prepare you know like normal for the questions and then i had to watch it just to see what i missed yeah and you know one and you know everybody who listens knows i'm from the east coast so she grew up uh she grew up 20 minutes north of me right and upper upper west side you know upper west side but not upper west side if you know what i mean so her her family made some sacrifices for her to live for her family. Her, her, her mom, her dad, and then her, her sister, and her brother all in a one bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side, so they can go to better schools and things like that. And I'm just thinking of one growing up. I grew up, you know, if you listen, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, so you already have that, you know, the, the difference in that. And now. You put in the struggle, the classism that goes on when you're on a very affluent block in New York, when your backyard is Central Park West. And so not being able to have your friends over, because I'm sure it would be embarrassing, you know, like, you know, hey, my mom and dad are sleeping in the living room because me, my sister, my brother share a room. There's there's a lot going on. and, and, And I don't know. I don't know if she's unpacked all of it. When I watched the when I watched the movie, you, you see there's. There's a lot going on in this young lady's life still. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the movie just came out last year. So it's really good, but it is yeah. eye-opening to just a different side that a lot of people aren't familiar with. So again, Black, Bold, and Brilliant, Screening, Beba, and then a Q&A via Zoom with the film director, Rebecca Hunt. 7 o'clock tomorrow, City Library. It doesn't cost you anything, but they nope, would just, like the favor of an RSVP. Yeah, just let us know you're coming so we can uh, say hello at the, at the gates, so the doors. So put a link in tonight's show notes as well as rallies and resources. And then an event on... March 2nd. I got the, got the brochure right here, y'all. Hot <laughs> off the presses. Erica is with us uh, from the Tanner Humanity Center. Erica, George, have you published three books since we talked to you last? Uh, one book. One no. book. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll come, back, come back and talk about it. And what was that book? <laughs> it was um, Oxford University Press, Incorporating Rights, Strategies to Advanced Corporate Accountability. Mm. Which is interesting in light of some of the bills being passed in uh-huh. Utah. Uh-huh. The that... anti-ESG yeah. mm-hmm. bill, the kind of anti-woke 
bills, this book would be in conversation with that. Okay, we're going to have to do that. That's yes, another we, conversation. We, it, okay. I and I want to have that conversation. Lawmakers want to say program. in the free market that anybody doing business with the state, you can't be a, a business that boycotts or doesn't do business with fossil fuels and other things like that. Perhaps Israel. We'll talk well, about that for, later. For a state or a group of individuals who pride themselves on less government, less government, smaller government, we sure do have a lot of government Picking involvement. Picking some winners and losers. Yeah, you know, and okay. unfortunately, it's usually the left-leaning people who are the losers. Not and not only because there's no representation. Do you think Dr. Jaffe can tell I had sugar today? Oh, I think he okay. knows. I All think right. he can feel it. Erica George is with us from the Tanner Humanities Center, and your 2022-23 public programming slate looks fantastic. We've got a, a bunch coming up, but specifically on uh, Thursday. You've got Britt Ray. Tell us about Britt Ray. We have an exciting author coming in on Thursday. Britt Ray is a human and planetary health postdoctoral fellow at Stanford University Center for Innovation and Global Health. Um, and her research focuses on the mental health impacts of the ecological crisis. She writes about eco-anxiety. Mm. Eco-anxiety is. Which was something I hadn't been familiar with, but probably we experienced without yeah. having the language to give it voice. So... I don't know about you, but I'm deeply concerned about the Great Salt Lake and uh -huh. it disappearing before That's our eyes. That's some anxiety of the That is anxiety-inducing. <laughs> or thinking about the impacts of climate change. For people who have been following it and deeply committed to knowing, and uh -huh. Britt Ray is one such person, it tracks her journey and her yeah. struggle with her anxiety not being taken seriously, mm, this yeah. being perceived as a... Um, privileged people's problem. Wow. So how do you unpack anxiety over a changing world and really get honest about your place in that world and your mm. contribution to change or not? Mm. Um, so it's a really compelling tale, part memoir, weaving in stories from different communities, including frontline communities that are disproportionately black, brown, and other people of mm -hmm. color. So mm -hmm. it engages multiple voices, but in the common call for figuring out what to do with these deep feelings that we have. The thing that I find most interesting, what you're describing is it's, it, it might, we, we might be the generation who just gets over it, but it's our children. Exactly. It's our children who are really going to be dealing with with everything that you're describing right now. Right, and and she spends time talking to young people and unpacking the mental health research about young people. And a lot of the, the book is called, the book we'll t be talking about, she's giving us an author meets reader, so this is where we meet, match readers and writers. Her book is Generation Dread, Finding Purpose in an Age of Climate Crisis, and she talks about good grief. Um, what it is to feel lost. And you're absolutely right. Um, many of us are of an age where we won't see the worst of impacts if nothing changes. But there will be a generation behind us and maybe beyond that that will live with the reality of the choices that we're making today. The thing I always wonder about when, because it, it feels like it feels like we, when I say we, I mean the larger body. They they like to give women and young young individuals a hard time for not choosing to have children. But then when you start describing the things that are going on, the things that if if we don't change, and and I, I, while I like to pretend I'm a optimist, there's a lot of pessimism in mm. me, 
And it feels like we're already too late because we refuse to even acknowledge that there's things going on. Well, this is where I think this book can really contribute to that sort of sentiment. She warns against something that she's calling narrative foreclosure. Mm. The kinds of stories that people are telling about the climate and the planet. And later in the session at Tanner Humanities, we have other writers who will be thinking about this. But there's such an emphasis on dystopia and climate crisis what if there were the space for narratives where there is possibility? Like what that. if instead of, or even if there is climate collapse, maybe there isn't all all warfare. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a communitarian coming together. Perhaps we can change stories and identify new types of protagonists. You bring and, me back. Yeah. You bring me back. All yeah, right. Yeah. So she invites that. She invites imagination. And one of the things that we love doing at Tanner Humanities through our public humanities programming is inviting people into readership to think about ethics and to gain a greater sense of empathy. So 35th anniversary. It is. That's really exciting. It's a big deal for us. Yes, we are celebrating 35 years. Um, There are, in addition to our public humanities programming, through which we've had hundreds of speakers reach thousands of Utahns, we fund faculty research fellowships, talk about books upon books upon books. We've got faculty all over the country with books about all kinds of different issues. And we're also reaching out to K through 12 educators through our Gateway to Learning program. Um, One of our more popular ones is discussing disputed topics in the classroom. Mm -hmm. We really are trying to equip teachers to answer the kinds of questions that are actually coming from students about topics that are subjects of books that would be banned in some areas. Yeah, I was gonna say, lawmakers have proposed bills just like we've heard, read a lot about this past year in Florida, about what you can and can't say, about topics that make people feel guilty mm-hmm. or would be in some way divisive. Or I'm trying to remember the language on one of the bills, and maybe our league folks can chime in, but you couldn't discuss things that were just theories. I'm like, well, evolution is still mm-hmm. called a theory. And I'm just like, is that really where we want to go with education? We can't go there and call it education. Truly, we can't. I mean, what we are in the business of doing, and now I'm speaking with my educator hat and my independent capacity, is introducing people to ideas and information and teaching them how to... I thought that's what college is for. To think critically and creatively, to ask questions. It's not about indoctrination. It's about exposure. Yeah. And isn't college the place traditionally where you're supposed to go and and have your, your upbringing, your ideas, your philosophies challenged Mm -hmm. and i you know i i honestly laura i even like it earlier i i think for certain children who are and i use children because anybody under 18 obviously but but really how you learn how to navigate these conversations makes it i don't want to say easier but better equipped as you get older to have these because right now you know, I'm an old school bartender where, you know, you don't talk re- religion, race or politics. And, here and I think talking about all of it. <laughs> but I think it's done us a disservice because yeah. now people don't know how to act and how to have these discussions. And then they get something like Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and they're just just spewing all this ah. nonsense and don't know how to have actual real important dialogue. And that's Erica, actually you're turning what to something. I like Brit it. I Ray's know. book invites us I, to I do. I guess I'm buying this book. Um, yes, you, you, you absolutely should. So the book is structured in three um, main areas. One is feel it all. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do when we censor content is we want to avoid an issue or Hard a feeling. Yep. Right. So what if we were equipped to be able to understand, identify, express. It sounds like emotional, social learning. I don't know what you're doing there, Professor. Um, And then part two (laughs) invites people to connect inward to transform themselves. And then part three is to connect outward to transform the world. Now, to be 
a person of responsibility in a free and open society, I think education is core to that that project. So um, how do we get snaps right here? (laughs) You get snaps. So so what we're offering is an invitation. It's uh-huh. free. Our public programming is say, free. How do you sign up to see Brit Ray? Um, you will go to our website, um, the thc.utah.edu. Oh. No jokes, no jokes. Oh, holla, holla, y'all. <laughs> and um, ticket information is available there. You can register through Eventbrite. Okay. Um, and, yeah, please come out and learn more about eco-anxiety and how to overcome it. And briefly, can you shout out who's coming up in the rest of the series? Absolutely. So on um, climate narratives, we have an, another award-winning author, Kim Stanley Robinson, who specializes in climate fiction. We call it sci-fi, cli-fi. And this book is extraordinary. The Ministry for the Future. It imagines a ministry devoted to ensuring that we can protect a future. So it speaks to ecological issues. And then finally, um, Professor Kyle White, he's at the University of Michigan. He's visited Utah before. We actually met when we were on a sustainability and diversity panel together years ago. But he's an indigenous philosopher and environmental justice scholar. So he'll be meeting with our students and faculty. And all of our programs are free and open to the public. Great. And that website again, THC. Dot org. There we go. Dot Utah. Dot edu. Dot Utah. Dot edu. Yeah. I apologize. You, you, lo- I, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I stopped listening after THC, <laughs> so we're all, yes. I'm back now. I'm back. THC.org is a completely different organization, folks. Don't go there. I'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank Eric. you so much for Thank dropping you. knowledge bombs. Ah, okay. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go to Dr. Mike Jaffe now and uh, wrapping up sugar-free February. He's got a mic right there. Hey, Doc. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I think I got slipped a little sugar at lunch now. <laughs> Uh, got a little tired. Over there, uh, I, I got a little tired this afternoon. Okay, so um, tomorrow I'm starting out with maple bars. <laughs> then I'm going no, to Slurpees. No no. <laughs> no, 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 We're here to rejoice. Rejoice in the end of Sugar about, Free Story? No, not the end. Well, the learning experience. Okay, okay I like, like that. What'd you I, learn? Like I heard Rashawn say that he felt really good I this did. month. Just listen to eBay out there. He mm-hmm. said he felt awesome this month, and he's not going back to sugar. You know, I I I joke. I I'm not going. You know, I haven't fully divorced sugar, but but I you I got am a plan? going to. I I have a plan. You know, I mean, obviously, my first plan is to OD on some gummy bears. But after that, <laughs> once I get back from that binge, I'm back, Mike, because I do feel good. I just yeah. want to. I'd like to see if there was really like, will it? Will, will I eat one and be like, oh, this, I don't even want it? Because I haven't had. I think you should not go into sugar enthusiastically. <laughs> okay, I, you should go back into I, I sugar this. skeptically. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because All right. when you feel like, I know you've been off sugar entirely, and yeah. Laura's probably been down what fits percent? And, fits and starts. Fits and starts. I'm there not going to go. Ebbs and flows. Okay. Ebbs and flows. So, I'm so less sugar-free Laura, <laughs> Laura, you do not get to go back to Banbury Cross Donuts tomorrow morning Ooh, for breakfast. They're locally owned. They, no, no, no. <laughs> You, you, you need to do remedial okay. sugar-free right. February, and I think it is going to be March. Oh, did she? It's, it's, did got she, an extra did three days. Held back a grade. Absolutely. I believe you got held back a grade. It's my Laura. own personal March madness. So when you do go back to sugar, I mean, experience it. it does. Like it start does. slow. Yeah, I will. And see what happens in your mouth. Take one of those gummies they might not taste right tomorrow no I, you know I, I just i i really have all joking aside i i really have enjoyed it like the the hardest i would say i was telling laura up air i would probably be 95 percent sugar-free like no candy whatsoever it's you know the birthday meal and things like that and i had a sub 
and I and I'm sure there was sugar in the bread and things like that. But other than that, it's been. I've been I've been CrossFit in Laura. I've been CrossFit yeah, and I've been low impact chair yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're showing you how to do but that. Yeah, Mike, I think, it, I think I, like, really I, that's the takeaway. Yeah, it has what been does a it do for you to so, realize about what you're putting in your mouth? Yeah. No, you weren't overweight, but how much weight did you lose not eating sh- sugar or mostly? I, like if I had to guess, I'd say I probably shed at least five pounds. Like five five if not more. Like certain things that that were a little tighter before are you know are loose fitting. Great, and that's that's. I mean, that's. And I'm looking days. good in the mirror, y'all. I'm out, I'm out the shower. I'm feeling, you know, I'm flexing over here, y'all. I'm feeling good, and, listeners. And I want to say, no you know, that's not, that's not <laughs> dieting, I'll, I'll right? Thirsty out here. It y'all. wasn't dieting. All it was was getting rid of yeah. some industrial supplement that's to true. make yeah. your food taste that better. Is, you, I mean, I mean, Mike, you know, you, you you're right. I'm, I'm not even gonna pretend like you're wrong. So you when know. you, if you have some sugar after dinner, mm-hmm. see what it does to your mouth. See how. Disgusting. I'm a little it nervous. It makes your mouth. I'm a little nervous. I, I did up. I did up my intake of fresh fruits and vegetables. Oh, I've been killing it. And just paying more attention to what I what I choose. Being more intentional about what my meal plan is. I, I had a call that you know folks were like, "You're body shaming people," and that's not what oh, sugar free February wow. has been about. It's been about being intentional with yeah. your your food and understanding what's in it and where it's coming from. But I do want to do that show about and um body dysmorphia folks. So some yeah, I think some people will lose weight on this and some people won't. Yeah. And Men it, do, and it, women have a harder time. Women will lose less weight, but they will lose weight also if mm-hmm. they are eating sugar and eliminate added sugar. Yeah. But, you know, mm. our and this time we got an N of zero on the woman's side, except for my wife who Oh go ahead, Eugene. Go ahead. But you know <laughs> But will you remind us again what the average American's sugar intake oh, is? The average American's sugar is 90 grams of sugar a day. And what's a gram? A gram, four grams, 4.25 grams a is a teaspoon. So we're looking at 20 teaspoons of sugar Gosh. added to the average Times American diet. Times 365 days a year. Times 365. See, oh, it was 75 pounds of sugar Yeah, 75 a year. pounds a year. Added sugar. Added, added sugar. sugar. Yep. Just sugar. Not talking about those... All the fakes. Alcohols. Yeah. And the, yeah. But so like this, we are being completely poisoned. And, and It's you know, inflammation. It adds to inflammation. It adds to inflammation. It adds to diabetes, hypertension, you know, knee arthritis if mm-hmm. you're overweight. So the it, heart disease, I mean, it's everything. So like how do you change behaviors so that you succeed being the better person? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time this month thinking about it. Don't have great answers, um, Just try but I'm hoping day. to. That's what I try. And that, that's all we can ask, Laura. That's Every all day. we can I'm ask. I'm really <laughs> happy you're being mindful about your food yeah. choices yeah. and thinking ahead because when you go for the instant gratification of the 7-Eleven, you don't bars. have a chance to win when you walk into a 7-Eleven I wish they eat. would put locks on the doors, Mike. That's the problem right there. <laughs> it, the problem is it's open all day, all night. That dang free market. I <laughs> still want, if Utah legislature wants to do something, let's tax added sugar and processed Ooh, food. Okay, Mike's not getting just, some snacks. Not just soda pop. Let's Even tax Professor everything George. with okay, sugar. Mike, you want to sell some snaps, sir? You can go into healthcare. We can do Medicaid for like everyone below average wage if Ooh, we okay, collect sugar. Yeah. Tax. 
Interesting, we'll because that has been money. proposed before. But you know, us Americans, we we're not ready for that. Sugar in our yeah. No, no one food. wants tax. No, no, no. no. Tax Plus, is bad. the processed food is the cheapest, and so then we yep. get into conversations about poverty. But it's not sense. the cheapest for society. No, it's a short-range view of there it. it is. The unaccounted cost, mm-hmm. and American corporations like to foist those costs off onto the public, and that's another topic for Professor George at a later date. Yes, Mike, it is. Thank you so much for coming in and helping us remember that we we can take action and we fall off the wagon like myself get back and on get it. back on and i and i must admit i know what happens to my body when yeah. i drink coffee and sugar because folks around here are like laura you're making us nuts <laughs> just bring it bring it down bring a notch. it down bring it down a notch so thank you and try to transition into sugar free 2023 there we go oh i like that all right right. hey thanks mike we appreciate your time it's been a blast uh we got to get to the league of women voters of utah yeah we do because there's some things going on laura joining us on zoom we've got deb case and in the studio we have kathy Beely. how you doing i am good it sounds like you're all on a sugar high i know doesn't it this is life for me kathy it's just life hey deb how you doing you still with us Yes, I am. I'm enjoying the conversation. All right. So this is lightning round. We're going to bounce back and forth between the two of you. Let me first just say it's so nice to meet Erica George. Have you met? You may not realize, but she was supposed to be our keynote speaker. Ah. And then guess what happened? COVID. COVID. So now you need to uh, arrange another (laughs) keynote with Mm -hmm. Professor George. So uh, let's do some lightning round. Uh, Kathy, you wanted to mention something about the Zion Curtain and crypto. Well, yeah, these are not league. uh, (laughs) These are not something the league is following, although we are going to all drink heavily after the legislature. (laughs) How much liquor did you go and pick up this week? (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard for me to say that uh, they believe that the Zion Curtain may be coming back. In a certain way. That's so ridiculous. It's not going to be a curtain. It's going to be a big wall. So the Zion Curtain, folks, for the uninitiated, <laughs> for the new to Utah, is literally a wall to hide liquor from children that may be in a restaurant with their parents. Okay, I got my hand up. Because yep. the, what <laughs> I learned last week, and if you don't know what last week was, last week was All-Star Break. And Utah magically figured out a way how to put pop-up liquor stores downsta- huh. d- downstairs, downtown. A shack and yeah, they, oh, they, yeah, well, they said we were all going to heaven, so we got that going for us. <laughs> But so so in one in in one stretch we could be so freewheeling and just randomly magically create a bar and and show hey the world look we're pretty we're pretty forward thinking and now mm-hmm. let's go back to Zion curtains because our kids can't see alcohol. Yeah, it it's for big parties they say. But I mean the restaurant associations come in and said, "Well, okay, you put a big wall up and there's the big party. How are you going to bring all the food in?" But isn't there, aren't they also looking at, I can now be seated at the bar and walk my drink to my table if I have an escort, oh, a chaperone. Is that still in the reform? I've heard it. I don't yeah. know. Deb, as I do you said, know? we're not actually following this. We just... Oh, come on. You know that's what we want to talk about. Eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The crypto, what is about crypto? Caught um, your eye. That is probably something that we should be following. Mm. Um they yeah, want to use crypto talk, for voting? or They talked about it today in the Senate something or other. Um, Using blockchain, which is the yes, basis for crypto. For, it, it's already being used in Utah County for marriage licenses. Really? Mm. So it's digital. What? Yeah. You can have your digital information, and they no longer give you 
paper, you know, here, you're married, here's your certificate. Yeah. It's all digital now. And they're talking about blockchain, using crypto for it. Don't ask me because I do not understand crypto. Um, somebody does. There was a fellow from uh, Davis County, long beard, been around the block several times, said he really understands it and he believes it's good. So a blockchain is more secure than our vote by mail. Mm. I'm guessing. A reasoning elections, but we'll see. We'll okay, see. so I want to get that. to elections, yeah, and please. I'm looking at initiative amendments. What is this, HB 422, Deb? Let, let, me, just, let me first say there were 48 election bills. What? Really? This, yes. Because we got that many problems or Our, that many politicians that want to pick their voters? I, I learned that from the lieutenant governor who tweeted it out. Wow. 48 election bills. That's I ridiculous. Mean, what are we yeah. doing? What are you thinking? We're supposed to be the poster child for good elections in in the United States. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it, you know, Utah, which standard. is GOP dominated, mm -hmm. backed mm -hmm. vote by mail, and now they want to kind of pull back on that, uh, right? Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, there are a lot of, they're very duplicative. I mean, they've got a seriously. lot of bills that are doing the same thing or trying to do the same thing. I think it sound efficient. It sounds confusing. It's more difficult to vote. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, Erica. Let's get you on so. that mic. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was, which is the same thing, making it more difficult for people to exercise their franchise yes. to vote. Like the ballot initiative uh, reforms. Deb, Kathy, what do you got to say about those? What's the plan? What's going through? Deb? Oh. Oh, did we lose Deb? Why, why don't I talk to it okay, since go. I was in that committee today? You got it, Kathy. I've got to say, there's some good news in the world. They That bill failed <laughs> um, to, on a two-to-two -two vote. Really? So, you know, it's like squeaked. But so many but, of these are zombie bills. It'll get sent to study during mm -hmm. interim and then pop up again, well, don't you think? There's that zombie bill that's going to come up. That's the DEI bill. Yep. Right? Okay. This is the is one that, that was pro John Johnson. John Johnson. Yeah. From Utah State. Sorry, Jack Johnson. You're a good singer. <laughs> HB 451. Am I remembering yes, that right? Yes, it is. 451. And it's going to go to study over interim. And folks, this is what I mean by, you know, don't just gird up your loins for the session you got to find a year-round strategy mm -hmm. for the issues that you care well, about. There were there are two bills. Do. One of them was Katie Hall's bill, and I yeah. think that might be bouncing back before the end of the session. Mm -hmm. And it's also a DEI bill. So. And this was the one. I'm trying to remember the is language. Is that 283? Is that? It says it's 4, 440, 451. Okay. Um, okay. And Johnson's bill is 283. Oh, Johnson's SB is 283. Yeah, yeah. 283. Yep. All right, I'm just pulling so, up. Uh, he's the one who said anti-racism is racism. racism. I'm going to remember that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so 451 is a state entity restrictions, which is so vague. Mm -hmm. But it's really, um, it prohibits the use of a prohibited submission in determining employment admission or other benefits. <laughs> prohibits the prohibition, which means it allows it? <laughs> is that the one that Darlene last night said she yeah. almost missed it? Yeah. Because yeah. of how vague it was written? Activist yeah. Darlene McDonald. So we're watching that one. Okay. Hey, uh, Deb, I wanted to get you in here to talk about the last day of committee meetings and what that means for the rest of the week. Well, 
Today is, like you just said, the last day of committee meetings. So basically that means that everything from now until close on uh, midnight on Friday is gonna be on the floor. So yeah. what we really are hoping that people are gonna start to do is, hey, if look at your uh, look at your legislators, get their number in your phone. You know what I mean? So like, and when you see that that, that one of the bills that you're following hits the floor or even before it hits the floor, start texting your legislators and letting them know how you feel and what you what you want them to vote on. This is, is this the wipe the board time? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, well, all the committees go away and now it's the movers and shakers, what they want to get through the session, right? Yeah. This is when it really becomes the Wild West and everything just starts flying through. So it gets to be quite, quite crazy. So we're going to be watching this really, really closely because it's going to be moving very fast. And uh -huh. there's a lot of things that they haven't, you know, approached. And we know that they're going to be kind of sliding through quickly on these things. So. Kind of sliding through quickly. They started out strong saying the quiet part out loud in the first week of the mm -hmm. legislature. <laughs> and here we go. The last couple of days. What are you guys watching for, the two of you? Deb, what is on your radar for this last couple of days? <laughs> I think it's just trying to stay alive. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kathy, what do you think? Well, you know, they call this session the elections and education session because those are the two things that the legislature is targeting. They're going to make education very difficult. Um, we've got the voucher bill, of course. That's mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's the one that's tied to yes, teachers' tied uh, to, teacher salaries. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't understand any of it. So there was a, a, a Senate joint resolution on your list, and I was trying to pull it up, and I don't see SJR seventeen on the legislature's oh, website. Yeah. What's that about? Well, that I was talking earlier about the one that failed um, for. Uh, 451? 422. 422. That's the one by little uh, Representative Kyle. I call him little because he's a freshman, and they're trying to be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, he, his, is, his would um, trigger the resolution. Mm. The resolution is for initiatives, and it would make initiatives very difficult mm. if they at all... Um, had to do with any tax Impact. change. Okay. Um, so it would make them, you'd have to go to 60% vote oh, yeah, instead yeah. of 50 plus yeah, one. Instead right, of 50%. Right. Which is huge. Absolutely. And this is part of that, that compromise um, to remove the sales tax on groceries. And so if that doesn't, um, mm -hmm. if, the, if we don't pass it on the ballot, then the tax would not be removed from groceries. And this is like a, uh, have you noticed this trend, this session where they're carrot and sticking things? Mm. They're trying to confuse us and they've done a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so ladies, do you ever foresee a time where we just put forth one bill and it's, it doesn't have anything tied to it? It's like- Just if, one topic? Yeah, just one topic. If we want to deal with education, let's have a bill on education. If we want to deal with teacher salaries, Let's deal. It doesn't have to be this give, give or take. Or, you know, it, it feels like it's it's backhanded. That's why I feel Republicans say at the national level, why are we having all these omnibus bills? Yeah, exactly. And, then, and all this pork. In and them. I hear Utah re Republicans talking about that about the national level. But then when it gets to doing an omnibus or a trade off kind of approach to a bill like yeah. this one, they're OK. Well, and we want we want them to be debating these bills. Yeah. We mm -hmm. want them to talk yes. about them. Uh, this is another bill that we're not following. The one uh, about uh, having clergy people. Uh, oh my! 
report sexual. Oh report my. Sexual. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they have not debated this. Okay, this is the one Rashawn. I was about losing today. my mind. This what one made thing? you crazy? Well, because there, it proves that I don't, I don't want to say proof. All right, but there, I always ask, where is the separation of church and state? And this bill says that if. Uh, what what did he say? The repro- representative acted, from it would make someone have to choose yeah, between their faith, religion, and the, law. and the law. So because so basically, what we're saying is we want to create a space where preachers or clergy do not have to report child abuse because it would go against the the cloth, the sanctu- if you will, the sanctimonious, the sanctity of the confessional. And it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like I I am all for protecting children, whatever that looks like. And so if. If somebody says, hey, I did X, Y, and Z to a child, then I feel like it is my responsibility as not just a, a dad, but as a human. And well, I believe that a lot. Yeah. It's and, your and moral it's responsibility. It's my moral responsibility. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's like, why are we creating these little loopholes? Well, there are loopholes for existing for clergy because of yeah. the sanctity of the yeah. confessional. And this would be um, saying, yeah, no. Um, and we've seen with different controversies that mm-hmm. have surfaced what a problem that is. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, we are out of time if we're going to get to our next conversation. So obviously we need to keep going oh. on this. We're going to have to have all of our guests back for separate one-on-one shows. Absolutely. We just want to do too much. And I appreciate everyone coming in and playing lightning rounds with us. So uh, Deb and Kathy, League of Women Voters of Utah, Erica George, Tanner Humanity Center, Mike Jaffe, Sugar Free February. I'm going to break it all tomorrow. <sighs> I'm staying strong. You know what, Mike? You're going to say strong? I'm staying strong. If Laura's breaking it, I'm staying strong, at least for a half I know day. what yeah, you're man. <laughs> Okay, so to get us to our next conversation with the hosts of Roots, Race, and Culture, Let's go. we asked them for some songs yeah, that, we did. that they like to riff on, and we got a little Bob Marley, right? Let's go. Or Roots Rock Reggae on KRCL. Support for Radioactive comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Love Promise Community Commitment, a partnership with nonprofit organizations that aim to make the world a better place. More information about the Love Promise and Subaru products at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL amplifies the work of community nonprofits like the NAACP, working to ensure a society in which all individuals have equal rights. To learn more, visit naacpogden.org or naacp-saltlakebranch.org. The Utah Film Center and KRCL present Black, Bold, and Brilliant, a series of events that highlight issues affecting the Black and Latino communities as seen through the lens of film and media in celebration of Women's History Month. The next event on March 1st will discuss the identities and artistry of Afro-Latinas with the unflinching coming-of-age documentary, Beba. More information is available at utahfilmcenter.org. What is going on, y'all? Who was that? I mean, I don't know what y'all doing tomorrow night, but I'm going to be at the library hanging out watching the movie. 7 o'clock, and they do want the favor of an RSVP, but I'm guessing they're not going to turn you away at the door. No, no, we will not turn anybody away. City Library, 210 East, 400 South. I'll tell you what, though, Laura, it never fails. Uh Like, lately, every Wednesday, it has just been storming outside. It's just crazy. (laughs) Okay, so what's coming up the rest of the night here at KRCL? All right, so coming up, Democracy Now! at 7 p.m. with Amy Goodman. We have Connor in the Late Night Lowdown at 8 p.m. 
Super sounds with Chovy, but it won't be Chovy. It's Mary, isn't it, it? No, it's not Mary. We got another fill-in. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it's Still not Chovy. It's not Mary. Oh, it's Taylor. Taylor's filling That's in. That's right. right. Taylor's rapping it. So Taylor's coming in at 1030, staying until 1, and then hanging out till 3, rocking some jazz. I'm not sure Nightlight's his what show. he's going to be playing, Brand but new. he's going to be, yeah. I Hey, all y'all listening, take advantage of the app. There are some shows we got on demand. You can listen to it two weeks out. Yeah, that's right. Any show the last two weeks, you can hear on demand at carecl.org, but also pick up the mobile app wherever you get your apps. And now we have two guests that's we right, want we folks do. to meet. We got Lonzo and Denor from Roots Race and Culture. Yes, yes. Uh-oh. It's Daner. Daner. Oh, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, fellas, one, like, welcome to the show. I- I've caught a couple of episodes I'm enjoying it. I'm Thank enjoying you. it. It's it's not something I was expecting to see on Utah PBS. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did that relationship start? Well, you know, first of all, I want to recognize the fact that I know you and our sons go to school together. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Leo and uh, oh, Canyon. Yeah, Canyon, Leo and yeah. Canyon are homeboys over at the school. Yeah, yeah third graders just doing their thing. So it was good to see him when I walked to the door, but... Uh, um. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Go ahead, Dater. I know you wanted to really. Start. No. No. You're good. I. I think we. We really had this idea for a show. Came around in 2020. We did a pilot. We were trying to figure out what to do, and when we pitched it to PBS the first time, it was just too complicated. It was mm-hmm. too complex. Yeah. 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 And there then was a lot we of start pieces. Yeah. A lot of stuff. And then we sat around at this, this African restaurant and started eating and having conversations about what was going on. Right. And, you know, because things got a little crazy a couple years ago, and we were like. This is what the show needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. People like a fly on the wall to a conversation about these things to see how people really feel and what what's going down in their hearts and their minds. Very much like what you guys do, man. Y'all. Wow. Yeah. And y'all that Marley know. tune, Roots Rock, right? Right. Yes, yes it is. The inspiration, if you will, is that yeah. what I'm hearing? Well, you know, we were. I was trying to kick around a title. We were we were going back and forth over and over, and we were trying to come up with a two word title. Okay. And I was just racking my brain, and I just happened to glance over, and there was a Bob Marley CD sitting there, and I saw it. It said "Roots Rock Reggae," and I was like, "Hey, why not use three words?" Right. You know. And then, of course, what, with what we were doing, that title just really fit. And so I tried to fit in how you know we could make it work with our show. And it, it originally was race, roots, and culture, and mm-hmm. I was like, "No, roots, race, and culture sounds right. better." And so when um. I sent that over to PBS. They loved it immediately. But they did want to change it to race, roots, and culture. And I said, no, let's do roots, race, and culture. I think that's just so much better, and it just has yeah. a better ring to it. Do you feel like the it. emphasis is on kind of brings some unity to the roots with roots part yes. of it? That we all have roots, and eventually we're all connected. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a really great understanding of it. And, and that's why the show is really meant for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not just about one person's perspective. It's about the perspective of a culture, of a community, and how it relates to other people. So the connectivity, basically, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. You know, and of course, there's a racial aspect and there's a cultural aspect because a lot of people get those confused. Um, You know, a lot of people think race and culture are the exact same things, but it's not, Mm -hmm. you know. And so having those as two separate words and, you know, being able to explain that on the show helps people to have more comfort with those terms. Here, I got something I want to share, a little clip that uh, your folks sent over. On this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture, Buffalo Soldiers. They were the all-African-American regiment in the United States Army. So they have a lot to prove. They want to show that they can get the job done. How did they even get the name Buffalo Soldier? These are actually citizens of the state of Utah. I'm sitting here thinking, 
You know, if they had been teaching about Buffalo Soldiers in Utah history, that might have changed their attitude. Roots, race, and culture. Thursday night, 7.30, PBS Let's Utah. rip off that. <laughs> so, I mean, you heard us earlier talking about it. Is, is there a lack of proper education going on? And I'm not even going to just say our state. I'm going to say in general. Are we, are we missing the mark? Oh, man, yes, absolutely. I, I went to school here. I, I went to uh, elementary and junior high and high school oh, so here. So you got some roots here, if yeah. you will. I got some roots here. With you know. eBay. <laughs> Yeah, with eBay, yeah, okay. eBay was actually one of my classmates, um, and I just didn't learn anything about black people at all. And I just actually, I remember being in in high school. I mean, of course, you learn small bits of history. Yeah. You learn about Martin Luther King. You learn a little bit about slavery. You learn kind of the basics, but you don't learn the crux of you know who were we prior to colonization you know how did we think what were our our, our ideas on success and mm-hmm. love and marriage and life and but we heard everything about everyone else you know i mean and we were constantly bombarded with greek mythology oh, for absolutely. some reason you know i can tell you anything you want to <laughs> know classics, about zeus oh right? yeah the, yeah know? the finger quote classics if right. you will <laughs> but i didn't know anything about anything else and then i remember in high school I asked one of our, our our coaches who actually taught you know who coached and then taught history part-time and was kind of a, you know, part-time teacher. And he said to me, um, I I said to him, Hey, you know, why don't, are we going to learn anything more about black people other than just slavery? And he just kind of looked at me and was just like, well, I don't know, you know, because I wanted to know more. And I just feel like it's absent in our schools. Mm -hmm. I feel like we need to be able to educate people more about that because if we do, then it'll help people have a better understanding of each other so that they understand where they come from. And we were just discussing this out in the hall that when people understand where you come from, they can maybe understand that, you know, there could be a legacy or um, some sort of a pattern that emerged from the mistreatment of a certain people. Absolutely. What, What I like to tell people is when you start really diving into other people's history and understanding what they've been through yep. it starts to open up empathy and yes. then empathy create it drop it breaks barriers it breaks it drops borders right right right, right. they put mm-hmm. the walls start going down because the thing is is it's not a sense of guilt that you should walk away with it's a sense of empathy and understanding that darkness or that sadness mm-hmm. is not guilt it's empathy right? right you understand that well man that's what it would have been like. What what would I have felt like to go through that experience, man? So, you know, and that only brings us closer together as people. The walls go down and, and life gets better for all of us. You wouldn't think that if you were watching closely what's going on with the Utah legislature or AP classes oh in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far down that rabbit hole we want to go. I'd say we go, go as far down as we can. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, there's some tape float, floating around from yep. uh, a session at, at the Hill where one lawmaker is saying anti-racism is racism. I saw that. The words have become so weaponized that that empathy, that understanding that your show's trying to get at is, is hard when that narrative dominates the news cycle. Mm, what do you mm. think about it, Dan? Oh, you know, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that separates us more than it brings us together. Mm-hmm. And so you, you the, the, the defensive posture there yeah. is, is the problem because, you know, if you're not under attack, but then you become defensive, then you're the one doing the attacking. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. And you know what? I think people are really afraid of messing up. And that makes it hard to have conversations. So I'm really grateful you guys came down tonight to have this one with us. What do you see as the hardest thing that Utah is dealing with right now in that regard? In regards to? Just the conversation about race. The conversation about race? There's a fear 
There seems to be this fear about what's going to happen if we talk about race. And there seems to be this fear that someone is getting attacked, Mm -hmm. that we're out to get someone, that we're out to say that you're the cause of it. You're this evil white person that is is, is destroying us and bringing this down rather than just saying, here's what we're dealing with Mm -hmm. in our communities. Here's where it may have come from. And what are some solutions to it? When did it start? Where does it go from here? And it seems to be like we don't even want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. We want to remove the word race. We want to remove the diversity and inclusion. We don't want to talk about it anymore at all because if we don't talk about it, it will just magically go away. And how are you going to solve a race problem if you're not talking about race? You know, so. Well, so so much of it is about like understanding what the underlying thing is. You know, a lot of it has to do with poverty. A lot of it has to do with mental health and and some of these other things. And that that those things cross racial barriers. Oh, yeah, that's what <laughs> MLK was trying to get at right before mm-hmm. he was killed. And some Talking people about the people's say, campaign. Yeah, yeah. Some people say that's you know maybe that's really what. Oh, we going conspiracy theory? I'm over for that conversation. Too, Let's Laura. get Reverend William Barber in on this one. But uh, so with Roots, Race, and Culture, you've done yep. two seasons and you're going to shoot a third. So can we say it's a success for PBS Utah? Yes. I, uh, can we say award winning? I heard yeah, the brothers won yeah. some awards. Award. Yeah, yeah, we have. It's, it's, it's been getting quite a bit of buzz. And uh, well, it's something nice. that Utah needs. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It, what, what's nice about it, and we heard this from feedback from uh, one of the uh, executives at the station, is that, you know, some new people are coming into PBS to, yeah. to be, you know, maybe employed there. Mm-hmm. And they're asking them, you know, what's your favorite show? And the younger people who come in are saying Roots, Race, and Culture. So it's, it's, I think it's opening up the station to a younger audience who mm-hmm. really wants to hear about that stuff because maybe they didn't get to hear about it when they were in school. Yeah. I got another clip for you. On this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture. Cultural appropriation. Why do we accept some practices of appropriation and why do we reject others? The problem that people have is they don't know the difference. There are ways that we can be better, do better. Can you do it? Should you do it? I don't take this off. Mm-hmm. This is something yeah. that I am embodying. I think, oh, I'm just gonna wear this chong sam and now it makes me an Asian woman. Like, that's not what happens. <laughs> Roots, race, and culture. And that, I believe, was Professor Erica George and Paisley Rectal in yeah. that. Yeah, I believe that was. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. They were great, actually. That's yeah. a good episode. That was fun. Cultural appropriation is, is so hard. I think it's really easy to recognize in terms of Coachella. And is it more about the person who um, perceives it than the person who performs it? Uh, getting at that conversation is tricky and hard, and you went there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, well, we just felt like it was something that people needed to understand because if you understand it, then you're less likely to be offended if someone asks you about it or maybe calls you out on it or or whatever the case may be. And you know, Lonzo knows a lot about like the history of rock and roll and that sort of thing. And there's a, there's a lot of appropriation there, you know. Oh, yeah. And 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 again, that kind of boiled back down to mm-hmm. economics as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I guess yep. the question I always ask, because you know, I I get in, I'm I'm one of those people who I'll see something and I just jump to the comments because I I right. just uh, you know, and I know I shouldn't, but that that's where the spices. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, where is the line? between appropriation 
appreciation and appreciation because I think that's a lot. There's a lot of confusion there because right. I, you know you, you know both of us right. you know Dana we're we're sitting here you know rocking locks right. you know I I'm not I'm not from the island I'm from Jersey you know right. but but <laughs> but you know but growing up you know in the in the 80s and the 90s all the cats that I I looked up to who could dance all had locks yes and uh-huh. so when I was coming through the clubs in New York I'm like oh well. You know, if if I'm gonna identify with somebody who could dance, and I want to be that, this is what I gotta look like, and and so that's right. what started it, you know. And so I, I always wonder where 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 is that? Is it a thin line, or is it just? I think you know, if you are doing something but you don't understand the history of it, then that's when it becomes appropriation. Got you. But if you've gotten into the history and you understand what it represents, mm-hmm. what it means, then it's appreciation, right? You know. Yeah, and you know, we talked a little bit about about it on the show, especially when you talk about the economic part. I think a big part of the cultural appropriation thing is when there's, for example, with rock and roll, okay? okay? When you're doing the music and then you do the music and then say, we'll take it from here. Yeah, you oh. Know? We'll take it from here. I think that's, <laughs> thank, that's, thank that's you. where it gets thank Sign those yeah, rights over. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it from here. You guys were great. You know, we'll, we'll put a little blurb about you when we make our History of Rock and Roll documentary. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about you that first five minutes of the documentary. Then we'll get to the real meat of this stuff and mm-hmm. talk about where rock and roll really went after that. Right. That's where it starts to go into the line of appropriating something and then just really not giving the full appreciation towards the culture. You know, and I think that happens well, more frequently with music, but yeah. it happens with other stuff too, Absolutely. like clothing and things. I got one more for you. Okay. On this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture, colorism is a huge issue. Do people tend to want to have lighter skin? You know, sort of aspiring to standards. Say, oh, you've gotten so dark, and there's not a positive connotation. Because it seems like we all, as like different races, we sort of put white people on this pedestal. We know the struggles that come with having darker skin, and they don't want to give that to their children. Oh. You benefit because you're light skin. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Roots, race, and culture. <laughs> I love that one. Thursday is 7.30, right? Yeah, Thursday is 7.30. And streaming. I got a little uh, Bob Marley in the background because uh, you requested another one. Guiltiness. That is, yes. I mean, it's. It, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because at, in the black community, that is it's very a big deal. prevalent. Yes. yes. I, I immediately, when I heard that clip, I just started laughing because I immediately went to do the right thing. No, not <laughs> right. do the right thing. School Days. School yeah, Days. Yeah, 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 yeah. By Spike Lee. And that, I mean... How you? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's in other cultures and oh, races absolutely. as well. Oh, absolutely, strong in India, Asian and India, and and all these things. And and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is such a big, huge topic. But what I heard from a recent uh, black artist is he said that you know when we do our movies or our music or something, a lot of times, even though it might be about black people, there's still a white person at the center of the narrative. Mm. Like it's still about how we relate back to a white person. Mm. And, right. and so wow. again, that goes back to this idea of colorism that like the center mass of humanity is, is white, right? Yep. And everybody else is just, you know, spiraling or orbiting around, around that. Them. Exactly. Yep. 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 You know? Yeah, and a lot of people, I think the misconception too that we talked about on the show was that people who were light-skinned had it easier. You yeah. know, and I was like, well, you know, we have our, our, our issues that we get attacked for when it comes to having light skin. Mm-hmm. We can never be enough, you know. Yeah. Right. Are you black enough? Yeah, you're trying yeah. to prove you, or you feel the need to prove yourself mm-hmm. because of your light skin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and uh, the other guest that we had on there, who's now a reporter at Fox News, actually. Yes, Fox yeah. News 13. Also, what are you saying is you launched, you helped launch them? Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever experience anything like that in white culture? Have you ever felt like 
Your skin color affected you. Um, more about around issues of beauty and being female, mm-hmm. and who is considered pretty, what is classical, what isn't. Um, you know how you perform gender. I would say I could relate to it more about that. But I remember also a comment I made early in Radioactive it was Nick Burns and saying, you know, it's like everyone pretty much. If you if you're white, you look back far enough, you can see where your family crosses paths with slavery. Mm-hmm. And I said, speak for yourself. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I've got the Bridwells down in Georgia, and that mm. was a plantation. I should probably investigate that right. some more. Wow. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, everyone has a connection to this conversation, and are we brave enough to do it? Because this song, Guiltiness, by Bob Marley, um, you all sent this one in and said you love the chorus. Woe to the down pressers, they'll eat the bread of sorrow. Yeah. An undeniable riff on the inevitability of consequence. Yeah. So, I, but I think you you really you. bring it full circle to what we what we started the this this uh, episode off on, Laura, because. When you think about it, people are feeling guilty for things that they have no control over in today's yeah. age. I, right. I didn't unless, ask to be born. Yeah, unless yeah. you are actively a slave owner, right. you like I'm not coming at you like I can't believe your ancestors four generations right. ago did right, this to right, my right. people. Like that that's not the conversation. That's, that's the misconception. That's the misconception, yeah, Lonzo. Yeah, yeah. Like the conversation needs to be how do we how do we improve because this happened this there's no point trying to pretend like slavery didn't exist there's no point trying to pretend like it wasn't a terrible stamp in our history right but how do we how do we bounce back from this and how do we make sure everyone has the same seat at the table well and to also recognize that as i was saying before that there are consequences to there were there were consequences to slavery there were consequences to jim crow segregation Mm -hmm. and the abuses that took place and there's a consequence with putting people in poverty poverty is cyclical i mean there's a reason why there seems to be still poor whites living in (laughs) you know back in, in kentucky and and they can't seem to get out of those cyclical patterns of poverty and that that it's something that's really difficult to break. And when you realize that all of that behavior over the course of centuries had an impact and that that still affects many black Americans and and many other Americans today, then you can start to go, oh, okay, well, this isn't just about someone feeling guilty. It's about a pattern that emerged and how can we solve this pattern and help people get back on track. We have about 30 seconds left. Mm -hmm. What's coming up on your next season? You know, we are in the process of coming up with ideas. I know we're already thinking about doing a show on veterans who are from the Pacific Islands. Okay. Like Guam and things like that. Yeah, and Hawaii. Yeah, and Tonga, all right. Because they have a whole different experience in you know history with American governments. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that I w- we really want to do, I would love to do, is talk about the Asian model minority myth. Ah, oh, yeah, that's because that's a huge one. That is and, a and, very and, huge one. Yeah, and we we haven't had a show that's speci- we've had Asians on our show, but not a specific show with uh, mm. just Asian topics, and that's been something that's been brought up to us. And I would love to hit that topic Absolutely. because it's a great one. How can people get in touch with ideas? or feedback uh go for it there's a page uh on pbs dot pbsutah.org slash roots and if you go there and then there's a a place a link where you can send an email or or just basically contact the station and let them know hit me up on uh instagram or (laughs) daner oh yeah you can do (laughs) that too (laughs) at lonzo liggins l-o-n-z-o-l-i-g-g-i-n-s hit me up on instagram if you've got some ideas i'll check those those messages for you Thanks so much for coming in. We got to do more. Yes, yes. Uh, yes indeed. It maybe was a great conversation. Maybe just have them back to spin tunes with you and talk. 
Sound good? Still, music like meets activism? Like, yeah. Right. yeah, a full music meets activism? Yeah. yeah. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Thank Let's you so it. much for coming in, Lonzo and Dana. Check tonight's show notes for links to all of our guests. And Rashawn, thank you so much, as always, for Roundtable Tuesday. Always a pleasure, Laura. All right. All right. Sugar, I'm back, baby. I'm back, sugar. KRCL, Salt Lake City.